You're listening to the DolphinsTalk.com Podcast Network. Hello, Miami Dolphin fans, and welcome to the Same Old Dolphin Show, part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. I'm Josh Katzker. With me today and every day is my brother from the exact same mother, Aaron the Brain. Aaron, say hello to the people. Hello to the people. Boom. We got it right on the second take. Little look behind the curtain here. You got to know that the first time we tried this, the brain had his microphone muted. So we had to start all over again. But you got it right this time, brain. And uh, you know who else got it right? The Miami Dolphins. Specifically, the Miami Dolphins defense. Because they went in to a game against the Los Angeles Rams and came out with a 28-17 victory. And it was just an absolute thing of beauty. The storyline going into the game brain was all about Tua Tungavailoa making his first career NFL start. And instead, the story was all about how Brian Flores and Josh Boyer and the Miami Dolphins defense completely owned Jared Goff and the Los Angeles Rams. This was a well, in the at the end of the day, it's an 11-point win. It's still double digits with in the NFL, especially in 2020. It's an impressive it's an impressive feat. But this game was never really as close as the score indicated. This Dolphins defense was pretty strong all day long, and it took until late in the game for the Rams to be able to find any semblance of a rhythm offensively and to really be able to to, to move the ball and to have a, a nice long touchdown drive that they ended up with in the fourth quarter. But a ve- So just a very dominant defensive display from the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins get the big win over a tough opponent. They go to four and three on the season. They are right there in the in the in the midst of the playoff hunt, uh, Brain, I I think all things considered, a pretty good Sunday for your Miami Dolphins. Yeah, look, overall, you're playing a team that uh, is a good team, a team that by many accounts uh, considered a playoff team right now, a team that is a couple years removed from being in the Super Bowl and seems to have bounced back after a down year last year. One of the best defenses in the league, probably the best pass defense in the league, although uh, they were without Jalen Ramsey in this game, uh, and you wouldn't have really known it based on what the Dolphins were unable to do, uh, at least through the air in this game. But that said, this is a good Rams team, and the Dolphins were in complete control for the vast majority of the game after getting off to a really rocky start. Uh, once they fell behind 7-0 and, and they were able to to stem the tide, get some turnovers, and really 
just roll in that second quarter. They they were pretty much on cruise control for the vast majority of the game. I thought that uh, the game was not necessarily out of reach until until pretty late. I thought we let the Rams hang around or the Rams did a decent job of hanging around, depending on how you want to look at it. Uh, so by that account, I think that it was not uh, necessarily a thing of beauty or a perfect game by any stretch. Uh, but that said, you beat a team like the Rams uh, and, and this was a statement victory for the Miami Dolphins because you were wondering, Look, uh, it's one thing to beat up on the Jets. It's another thing to beat up on a San Francisco team that was that was really injured. That uh, Jimmy Garoppolo was just coming off of an injury and clearly didn't look a hundred percent. And they had a scout team corner that we totally picked on uh, for for the entire game. And and there were matchups there that the Dolphins just had San Francisco totally overmatched. This was a game against a team that I think. A lot of people would kind of look at it and say, man to man, the Rams should have been the better team and the Dolphins outplayed them and came up with a double digit victory. And so that's an impressive victory, uh, no matter how you slice it. Yeah, it, it's absolutely true. It, no matter what you think of the overall picture and, and we'll get into some of that conversation about what the offense looked like in this game. We're going to get into all of that. But at the end of the day, this was one of those wins that we've been waiting for the Dolphins to come up with against a tough opponent. And the game was just brilliantly played. It was brilliantly coached. And the Dolphins did what they needed to do to come away with a 28-17 to victory. So before we get into the good and the bad and the ugly, as we always do here on the same old Dolphin Show, I want to talk a little bit about the NFL, the first career NFL start for Tua Tungavailoa, because that was a big story coming in. And while it ended up not being the biggest story of the day, it was still an important story and still does need to be talked about. But before we do that, I want to invite everybody, if you haven't done so already, to make sure you are following both the brain and I on Twitter. I am at Amplified to Rock. He is at Aaron the Brain. That's at A-A-Ron the Brain. And also follow the show on Twitter at same old dolphins and uh, you can follow us on Twitter over there additionally we've got a Facebook page at facebook.com slash same old dolphins we invite you to give us a like over there more and more people each week joining us on Facebook we appreciate it Uh, that's where we will ask you to share your one hot take for the upcoming games we also ask that on Twitter so uh, make sure you're following us and that you've liked the Facebook page additionally subscribe to the podcast you can do that at Apple Podcasts Spotify Stitch SoundCloud, basically anywhere where you can find podcasts, you could find the same old Dolphin show. So we invite you to do that. Leave us a rating, leave us a review. We really appreciate it, particularly on Apple Podcasts. Helps us out a great deal. So thank you to everybody who has done that. And finally, make sure that you are visiting DolphinsTalk.com every single day. It's your one-stop shop for all things Miami Dolphins, and we are proud to be part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast 
Network. Oh, one other thing. We're on YouTube, baby. Dolphins Talk has a YouTube channel, and uh, every episode of the same old Dolphin show going forward is going to be up there on that YouTube channel. So it's uh, the Dolphins Talk YouTube channel. So just go ahead, go to YouTube, and do a search for Dolphins Talk. Make sure you subscribe. Uh, we've really started pushing this a little bit here over the past couple of weeks, and a lot of people have joined us over there on the YouTube page. And if you've always, if you've ever been sitting there listening to the same old Dolphin show, gosh, I. I really wonder what these two douchebags look like. Well, come on over. Here we are. This this is us. This is this is who we are. This is what we look like. And uh, this is basically the same conversation that we've been having for years and years and years about the Miami Dolphins. Although I got to be honest with you, that conversation is really starting to change. And it's really starting to change in earnest now because we've taken the first steps into the Tua era. It has begun. Tua Tungvaluwa made his first start for your Miami Dolphins this week in Miami. And uh, let's be honest, it wasn't... It wasn't a glit, glittering, glimmering performance from Tua Tonga Vailoa. He didn't, he didn't blow the doors off the place. He didn't, uh, blow anybody away with the performance, but I think it's probably would have been a little bit unfair to expect that from him. Instead, we saw particularly, I listen, what was his, his first drop back? I'm thinking at first on the, on his first snap, he handed the ball off on a second play. He, he dropped back and there was a strip sack recovered by the Rams, set them up for a go ahead touchdown, which was, you know, a, a very shaky start, um, for, for Tua. Um, and there were certainly some nerves that he was working through, I think, in the early part of that game, but later on things stabilized for him. And there were certainly some glimpses, his great touchdown pass to Devontae Parker. He made another couple of, uh, really nice passes along the way. And, you know, listen, I don't know that we got a whole lot out of Tua. I don't, there certainly wasn't enough to make any kind of judgment on him, uh, either positively or negatively, but you can certainly say there were some good things to see. There were some bad things to see. I mean, all in all, I would say it's exactly what you would expect for somebody who has not played a football game in, in almost a year's worth of time. Brain, what were your takeaways from Tua's first NFL start. I thought he looked like a rookie quarterback. Uh, I thought, uh, obviously, he was shaky early. I think the fumble early on, I think maybe he looked a little rattled. Um, and that's not something that is ter- that is necessarily new. Uh, if you go back and you look at his college career when he's had a couple of rougher games. He didn't have many <laughs> in college, but he did have a couple of tough games where uh things did snowball a little bit on him at times. He always found his way back, but he did at times appear to get rattled and you know, first drop back of his first NFL start and Aaron Donald, the uh, arguably the best player in the entire league, certainly the best defensive player in the league, uh, gets a strip sack. Uh, now you've got that in the back of your head every single time you drop back. Uh, so that's not going to make things easy on you. Uh, and it looked like it took him a while. I thought that that first quarter, I thought he, he certainly settled in. Uh, when we got the turnover and we got inside the 20, he made a couple of nice throws, uh, to get us into, you know, down inside the five. And then his touchdown pass was right on the money. 
Uh, that, by the way, a hell of a catch by Devontae Parker because he's taking the hit before the ball gets there. The ball happens to be right on the money, which helps, but to hang on to that and have that kind of focus when you're getting hit before the ball gets there, hell of a catch by Devontae Parker. Uh, but I thought, you know, he settled in and after that, Oh, look, the offense in general was bad. It wasn't just Tua. The offensive line had their hands full. We couldn't run the ball. I thought the play calling left a lot to be desired, but we also had a big lead for the majority of the game. And that second quarter... He, he barely got out there because the Dolphins had a defensive touchdown, had a special teams touchdown, had a, had an interception or a, or I'm sorry, a fumble recovery where they get the ball down right at the goal line. So that's three drives in the second quarter where two is barely in the game. <laughs> so uh, I like, you know, there wasn't a lot to go off of. And then he gets in the game in the second half. And yeah, there were a lot of empty possessions in the second half. Uh, but there were, you know, it, it wasn't all Tua. Uh, I thought he, he was fine. Like you said, he, he didn't blow the doors off. He didn't blow you away, but he didn't blow. And that's, that's what it came down. He, he wasn't. He wasn't bad. He was just fine. And that's one of the things we said coming into this game. Well, when we, when we did the round table, we said, look, the fact is, is unlike Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert, who are tasked with, uh, needing to be outstanding and carry their teams right now for those teams to even have a chance at winning, Tua simply needs to manage the game. He simply needs to be efficient. And I don't know that he was terribly efficient in this game, but he was good enough. He was good enough that they won by double digits. And I know that that's not because Tua played great. I know that's because the defense was phenomenal. But at the end of the day, save for the the fumble at the beginning of the game and I guess a wide receiver screen that you know went awry, there really wasn't a lot of bad uh from Tua. It was just very meh. It was it was very vanilla, not taking a lot of risks. You saw a couple of plays where you saw the pinpoint accuracy. You saw him make the decision, go through his progressions and get the ball out on time where it was supposed to be, and that's really what you're looking for. Uh Obviously, there's going to be games where you're going to need Tua to play a lot better. He knows that. He said as much in his post-game press conference. The Dolphins are going to need Tua to play a lot better to win most weeks. But on this particular week, against, again, a really good defense, in his first NFL start, he did enough. I, I agree. He he did enough. It looked, you know, what it looked like to me for a lot of this game was it really kind of looked like a preseason game. The kind of play calling that was out there for him, the kind of you know what the game script was, if you want to say it that way. It was just very conservative, and it was like they didn't want him to do too much. They didn't want to throw too much at him. They just wanted him to go out there, and they just wanted to see what what he could do with it on a, on a sort of basic level, was, was what it really looked like to me. Yeah, and I want to just throw in this one last point before we, I'm sure, move on to the good, bad, and the ugly, and that is that th- this game... The way that Tua played and the way that they handled Tua specifically, uh, just 
to me, confirmed what my belief was last week when we recorded, uh, or, or when we recorded, yeah, I, I guess it was the, the roundtable show when I said, I think this was a Chris Greer decision. Maybe Brian Flores had some influence, but it was very telling that Brian Flores didn't come out and say, I think Tua gives us the best chance to win. And I think it was very clear that the offense took a step back with Tua at quarterback compared to Ryan Fitzpatrick. And I know that's the big talk right now among a lot of Dolphins fans. Uh, and it's fair. It's absolutely fair. And they, they should not be chastised or, or told to shut up or told that they're overreacting because the fact is that this decision was simply putting the long term, putting the future ahead of games right now because you cannot tell me that Ryan Fitzpatrick right now would not give the Dolphins a better chance to win, would not have given the Dolphins a better chance to win this week. Obviously, they win regardless. And you can't tell me after this that Ryan Fitzpatrick doesn't give the Dolphins a better chance to win next week. And I'm not saying that you should bench Tua because I think you make this decision, you live with this decision. This is the decision. You're riding the Tua train for as long as Tua is healthy until just it becomes... Either, either he's not healthy or it's like blatantly obvious that he's not ready. Um, and I don't think that was the case in this game. And I don't think that's going to be the case going forward. But I think the fact that the, the play calling was conservative and that the offense looked like it was lacking a rhythm coming off of a few weeks where the offense certainly did have rhythm and Ryan Fitzpatrick was playing at a high level. Look, I know they were playing against a good defense, but it was obvious the offense took a step back with Tua at quarterback as opposed to Fitzpatrick. You hope that as Tua gets his feet wet and he looks at the game film and becomes a little bit more comfortable, that ultimately you're going to hit that higher ceiling and that this will have been worth it for a few weeks of growing pains. But for the time being, I think it just lends credence to that whole idea that look, the Dolphins are certainly making a short-term sacrifice in putting Tua in there at quarterback versus Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yep, and just as we said when the Miami Heat lost in the NBA Finals in the first year of the Big Three and people were panicking, we said at the time, we had the conversation. I don't know that. The- <laughs> we said this I don't know is- that this is the best example. But what we said was, this is the big three. This is the worst version that we're going to see of this team, right? We are, we're building a team around these three guys. This is the worst version of this team that we're going to see. This version of Tua Tango Iloa that we saw on Sunday, that's the worst version of, of Tua that you're going to see. What we saw on Sunday was, was probably like his floor. That was probably the floor of what we're going to be looking at when you, when you talk about Tua. The, the thing about him is just how high his ceiling is and, and the greatness that we believe that he can attain. So this was the first step. There's obviously lots of lots, lots and lots of room for improvement. And you know what? There are nine more games this season to see how he grows and to allow this team to, to evaluate what they've got here. So this is just the first step of many. It, it, it certainly wasn't perfect, and it certainly wasn't pretty at times, but 
you know, I think that's exactly like what you, I mean, I think it is fair to expect that. So good things, I presume, are coming in the future, especially when the Dolphins are sooner rather than later going to need to see much more out of Tua. And I think, you know, without getting too far ahead of ourselves here, I think we're going to be talking a lot about that when we start talking about the preview for the upcoming show, uh, previewing the game against the Arizona Cardinals. So up next, we're going to talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly from this game against the Los Angeles Rams. But first, brace yourselves. Winter is coming. Man, do I miss Game of Thrones. You know, um, what the writers of Game of Thrones didn't want to tell you is that Bran was actually in a wheelchair because he didn't trim his balls with Manscaped. Wow. Poor guy he thought it was okay to trim his balls with a traditional Westerosi razor or hair trimmer. You know, and you listen, if you've seen Game of Thrones, you can only imagine the piece of machinery that he was using. Well, he, you know, might have had somebody else having to do it because he got stuck in there. You know, if he had been shaving his balls with Manscaped instead of spying on, uh, you know, Jamie and Cersei getting it on. Brand never would have had to worry about ending up in a wheelchair, is, is what we're trying to say here. But the fact is, Manscaped is a very important thing. And they've got the new Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer, which is waterproof with advanced skin safe technology to reduce nicks and cuts, and even has a light to help you with your close shave down there. I don't know if it'll help you if uh, Jamie Lannister throws you out of a tower window, but. It'll at least help you trim your balls and, uh, you know, if it's if it's dark. Uh, you know, we've got the Weed Whacker Ear Hair and Nose Trimmer. They've got the Performance Package with the Crop Preserver and the Crop Reviver Ball Toner, which I highly recommend. Uh, you got the Crop Mop Ball Wipes. You got your Manscaped Foot Duster with foot deodorant. Foot deodorant! To fight the odors of the most stank feet that you got out there. And uh, listen, and if you want to smell good everywhere, you got to try the Refined Cologne by Manscaped. It's a clean, fresh scent designed for the refined gentleman. On top of everything else, they've even thrown in the Shed Travel Bag to carry your goods and the Manscaped Anti-Chafing Boxer Briefs to hold the entire package together. You can get 20% off and free shipping with the code DOLPHINSTALK at manscaped.com. During the winter, you may be spending more time inside with your balls. Might as well make them beautiful. Again, get 20% off and free shipping with the code DOLPHINSTALK at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code DOLPHINSTALK. Be sure to join the Manscaped movement, these products are snow joke. Thanks, Manscaped. I mean, that's good stuff. The product is good. You don't stuff. want to be you, you, look. You don't want to be going down there with uh, Valyrian steel. That's it's a- just right. You can't use v- Valyrian steel in your junk. Come on, it's, it's a recipe for disaster. It- it is, in fact, a recipe for disaster. You're gonna end up, you're gonna end up like Robert Baratheon. You know, it's no good. 
It's no good. Whatever that wild <laughs> boar did to Robert Baratheon, the, Verath- the Valyrian steel is going to do to your boys. Okay, I think that's mm. enough talk about testicles and uh, shaving implements and Game of Thrones on this episode. It's time to get into the good and the bad and the ugly from this game against the Los Angeles Rams. And Brain, if we're going to talk about good, there's obviously one clear place to start. So I'll hand it over to you. What is your biggest good takeaway from this game against the Los Angeles Rams? Look, it's it's no secret. It's the Dolphins defense, uh, specifically the pass defense, but uh, just the defense in general over these last three games. Uh, it's been it's been downright elite. Uh, we now have, uh, the Dolphins now have the number one scoring defense in the National Football League, uh, uh, based on points per game allowed, averaging just 18 and a half points a game allowed. And over the last three games, uh, ha- they've just allowed 34 points. Uh, they're, we, we thought coming into the season, it was going to be a problem. We heard a lot, uh, going into the year or not, not going into the year, but coming out of the, la- uh, out of the first four games about how the Dolphins weren't putting enough pressure on the quarterback. Well, the last three games, the Dolphins have lived in the opposing backfield, putting pressure on the quarterback. Josh Boyer dialing up these blitzes, uh, Emmanuel Ogba is playing at an absolute Pro Bowl level right now. Shaq Lawson is doing his thing. Uh, Christian Wilkins is doing a little bit of everything. And frankly, Raekwon Davis is doing a nice job getting more and more snaps each and every week and, and, and holding his own in the middle. And look, Kyle Van Noy has had an impact in every game. Andrew Van Ginkle, uh, a forgotten man after being injured in much of his rookie year, uh, has really stepped up these last couple of weeks. He gets the scoop and score off of the Emmanuel Ogba strip, st- strip sack, and he's been uh, making impactful plays each week over these last few weeks. Landon Roberts is just a wrecking ball. Uh, he was playing like a man on fire in this in this Dude, game. that play where he comes flying into the backfield and shoves the fullback into uh into the running back to make that that tackle for a loss. I mean, that was like a Ray Lewis play. That was like that was elite level linebacker play. And I'm not saying that Alana Roberts is an elite level linebacker. I just think he's good at what he does. And I think it's really important what Landon Roberts is doing for this team right now, especially considering that we traded away Raekwon McMillan, who was the team's best run stopping linebacker, uh, you know, the last couple of years. And we traded him for Lynn Bowden in a draft pick. And we haven't missed him. And the reason that we haven't missed him, it, it's it's a multitude of things. But the biggest reason we haven't missed him is because Alana Roberts has been so downright consistent. And at the end of the day, what it really comes down to is this secondary. Listen, if you look at the Dolphins' base defense, now you could argue that our base defense is a nickel. Uh, sometimes it's a nickel. Sometimes it's four defensive backs. But if you look at the Dolphins' four defensive backs, starting defensive backs, you're talking Xavier Howard, Byron Jones, Bobby McCain, and Eric Rowe. Which one of these guys is not playing at a Pro Bowl level right now? (laughs) Every single one of them. 
Xavier Howard might be the defensive player of the year at this point. Byron Jones is the best cover guy of, of the group. Bobby McCain, I believe still has a, I mean, he may have given up a completion or two in the, in the fourth quarter. So I don't know if he's still allowing a 0.0 passer rating, but he's playing at an elite level. And Eric Rowe is shutting down a different tight end every single week and had four passes defensed in this game, which is a, it, which is the highest of any player in the entire league this season, this week. Eric Rowe is playing at a Pro Bowl level. Every single one of those Dolphins defensive backs is playing at a Pro Bowl level, and this is what you envisioned. I mean, frankly, you didn't quite envision it from Eric Rowe and from Bobby McCain. You you thought, hey, we could have a really elite cornerback duo, but you throw in what McCain and Rowe are doing, and the fact that Brandon Jones can come in and give you, uh, you know, a few good snaps. Uh, Nick Needham had his best game of the year this year. I thought Nick Needham played a great game covering the slot, handling man coverage against Cooper Cup pretty much Every time uh, he got lined up, he was with them step for step. I thought Nick Needham did a great job. Uh, look, this is an elite Dolphins secondary. It helps make things a little bit easier for those uh, those pass rushers to get off the quarterback. And it works in tandem because... If you can put pressure on the quarterback, then that makes the secondary's job easier. If the secondary can cover guys in zero coverage where it's man across the board without a deep safety, that makes it significantly more easy to put pressure on the quarterback. They are playing very complementary on the defensive side of the ball, and that is just elite level defense. And I said going into the season, I thought this team was a top, t- should be a top 10 defense, could potentially be a top five defense. And it did not look that way <laughs> through the first four weeks of the season. But here we are just a few weeks later. And I think you'd be crazy to say that, to think that the Dolphins aren't at least a top 10 defense and maybe a top five defense. Like I said, number one scoring defense in the entire National Football League, uh, based on points per game allowed. Absolutely impressive. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a beautiful performance from this defense. Christian Wilkins getting an interception. This was a scheme thing, I think, more than anything else. It just seems like Brian Flores, he figured it out when he was in when he was with New England uh in the Super Bowl going up against the Rams they were bringing this zero blitz pressure on on Jared Goff and he just could not deal with it and the dolphins were doing it so perfectly whether when they were bringing the pressure in and having the guys drop back they were getting hands up they were deflecting passes they were knocking things down they were just throwing him off his game he he had no sort of answer for what it was that the Dolphins were bringing. And it was late in the game when the Rams finally figured out that they were going to be able to, you know, execute some quick, short screens and slants. And that was when they were able to start getting some chunk plays. They were able to run the ball pretty efficiently all day, which is, you know, still one of those things that's a little bit concerning. But again, it's kind of the the Dolphins have this bend but don't break mentality defensively. And that, you know, there's nothing that shows that better than the fact that, you know, they're only giving up an average of 18 and a half points per game. So a very, very impressive performance from the Dolphins defense. So a big round of applause to uh, Brian Flores, Josh Boyer, and that entire defensive unit. They did uh, just a, a fantastic job 
in this game. Uh, my good for the game, I think, is uh, I got to say Jakeem Grant. Jakeem Grant, listen, there there are times where it looks like he is an insane person on the field, like making questionable decisions about fielding punts and muffing punts. And it's like, why would you do that? And then there are times where he gets it right and he gets an 87-yard punt return for a touchdown, making him the franchise's leader in in you know, punts returns for touchdowns. It's it's an incredible feat by by Jakeem Grant. And we had good Jakeem back again in this game. And he certainly helped. And so between the impressive performance on special teams and impressive performance on defense, the Dolphins left the offense with not a lot to do. And that was what, you know, I think attributed to uh, the Dolphins having you know, sort of a more conservative game plan or, 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 you know, what the plays that were called offensively were pretty conservative at the end of the day because they didn't need to do a whole lot because the Dolph- the Dolphins defense just had this game on lockdown, you know, pretty much from the outset, really. I mean, you know, the Rams scored that touchdown early, but it was off the, it was off the, the fumble that, you know, the strip sack fumble and the, the Rams were starting off inside the Dolphins' 10-yard line. Of course, they're going to score a touchdown there. Um, and so, you know, the defense, I think, was really impressive. Special teams was really great. Both of those units deserve to take a bow. Let's go to, I mean, there was a lot other good that we could talk about as well, but let's move ahead. We want to move things along here. Let's talk about the bad. What was something brain for you in this game that you would say was bad. I, why don't I start first here? We'll go to you in a second. I'm going to take this one first. And, and the big thing that I'm going to say is that um, the run game in general is bad. And I, I, listen, Miles Gaskin ended up with 18 carries and, and 47 yards. The, the Dolphins ran the ball a total of 25 times for 55 yards and a touchdown, including Miles My, Gaskin had the, the touchdown that he ran in. Um but largely the running game is bad and it's not something that needs to rely solely on the shoulders of Miles Sanders, although he has been good, not great this season. But the bigger problem is that this offensive line is not creating space for him to really run and create. So while the offensive line has largely done okay when it comes to pass protection this year, although this game I think was a step back in that department as well, um, they have not, they have struggled routinely creating space for Miles Sanders or Miles Gaskin, rather. Miles Sanders is not a Miami Dolphin uh, for Miles Gaskin to uh, take advantage of. And while Gaskin is, is a tough runner and he, he is good about getting at some extra yardage after contact. Um, he is, he's not this explosive running back that can have a hole for a split second and turn that into a big play. He doesn't have that explosiveness that he needs. So when you compare these, when you take these two things and you combine them, you get a running game that while it's, it's putting up decent numbers because the Dolphins are really trying to establish a run game. It's it's more because of the volume that they're getting that they're getting rushing yardage. But even that, they're still not getting 100-yard games routinely. I can't remember the last time a Dolphins running back got 100, rushed for 100 yards in a game. Um, so, and in this game, they definitely took a step back. And granted, part of that is because the, the Rams off, 
defensive front is is very stout, and the Dolphins struggle to create space in that. But for for my bad, that's the one that I'm going with. Listen, there wasn't a lot in this game that was bad, so that's what I'm going with. The running game was not terribly impressive in this one. Brain, what is your bad from this game? We touched on it uh, a little bit earlier in talking about Tua, uh, and I want to preface this by saying, look, I've been very complimentary of Chan Gailey thus far this season. I thought Chan Gailey had a bad game. I, I, like, I get it. I get a lot of things like you're going up against a really good defense. You had a big lead. And so I get being ultra conservative. But I do think for starters, I thought we were over conservative in the second half. And I think while it didn't bite us, it could have. Uh, look, the Dolphins won this game 28 to 17. The Rams missed a field goal with about three minutes left. That would have made this a one score game, which means the Rams were not out of it. And even them settling for that field goal attempt happened after a drop on a third down that would have set up uh, a first down right around the Dolphins 20 yard line. Uh, and they were driving and looking like they were going in for a score. And the reason was because as great as the Dolphins defense played all game, they were completely gassed because the Dolphins couldn't do anything offensively. And I thought a lot of that was because we were being so overly conservative. We couldn't get any kind of running game going yet. We continued on first down to run the ball uh, for, you know, and be content with these no gains, one yard gains, two yard gains and putting Tua in a poor down and distance. Yet when we threw the ball on first down, it was consistently good things happened happening as long as the receivers caught the ball. And that's something we'll get into in a little bit as well. But in general, when they opened things up and they let Tua start to get into a rhythm, I thought the offense kind of looked like it was at times like, uh-oh, here we go. Tua starting to get into a rhythm. And then every time he did, something happened, like maybe it was a drop, maybe it was uh us going conservative and running the ball, and then probably the most maddening sequence of the game happened where I think Tua threw three consecutive passes and looked like he was really getting into a rhythm. We had back-to-back first downs. And then all of a sudden, here comes Malcolm Perry and we're running the Wildcat. Uh, and, and look, I get that they want that, like, that's what they want to do with Malcolm Perry. And, and there's going to be times where, look, if, if that works right there, it, it looks brilliant. But I'm sorry, you drafted this guy fifth overall. You decided that he was ready. And in the second half of that game where the defense really needed a blow and all we needed was to put one scoring drive to really put the game out of reach, you had to uh, finally get into a rhythm and then you killed it by going into the Wildcat. And I thought that that was awful. It took them out of their rhythm. And I thought uh, just in general, uh, it was there. there was questionable it was questionable play callings and I thought I thought Chan Gailey was bad on this day I I would agree with that I mean when you talk about the defense needing a blow the the Rams I think took 92 offensive snaps 
in this game. Yeah, that is and, an insane and, uh, number for a National Football League game. It's even more insane. I mean, that, that's those are college football kind of numbers when a team has 92 offensive snaps. And then for them to have 92 offensive snaps and to lose, it tells you how good right. the defense was in this game. Right. But look, that defense is going to feel those 92 snaps. Yeah. I mean, they were feeling it late in the game. You had guys starting to cramp up. Guys were starting to drop like flies. All of a sudden, the Rams were getting things going. And you wonder, look, can they play at that level next week against a team, by the way, that specializes in playing an up-tempo game, getting off of a, getting off a lot of snaps. You're going to be chasing around Kyler Murray. I'm sure we'll get into that in the preview show uh, later this week. But look, you're going to feel those 92 snaps. It's got a cumulative effect. It's not just this game. Yeah, that that that's true. So we've got to hope that uh, this this team gets. Well, I, I hope they give the defense an extra day off this week to to rest and recover because they're going to need it. They're going to be, I think, pretty busy when we get to next Sunday. We'll deal with that when we get to the next episode of the show. Uh, but now we're going to move on to the ugly brain. You you sort of hinted at what your ugly is in this game. So why don't you why don't you take it away first? We'll have you go first. What is what is the ugly from this one for you? Yeah. I mean, I want to say the drop passes in general, but I want to single out Preston Williams because early in the season, Preston Williams had a couple of really bad drops, uh, you know, a couple of weeks in a row. And then he had a few weeks where it seemed like, okay, he was over that and it's a thing of the past. And then in this game, he dropped at least two. Uh, back to back. I believe he dropped a third and Miles Gaskin had a really bad drop, uh, in the fourth quarter on a drive where it looked like the Dolphins, I, ultimately they got a first down, which was key. It helped kill a little bit of clock, helped flip the, a little bit of field position, but it would have been nice, uh, because that would have been another first down. It would have been nice to see if that would have been the drive that we were looking for where Tua drives Miami down and really puts the nail in the coffin in this victory. And it didn't happen because guys couldn't hang on to the ball. And that's, it's unfortunate and because it goes back to last year and, and the talk of the whole like training camp with last year with the TNT wall, the takes no talent wall. And this team prides itself on being fundamentally sound, not making mistakes. And by and large, that's what they've been. And that's been their MO all year. And that's been their MO the last two years with, uh, Brian Flores. Uh, and I'm so, I'm sure these things are going to get corrected, but I'd be remiss if I didn't mention it. Uh, look, it, at this point, it's a trend with Preston Williams. Uh, we know that he's a super talented guy. Uh, I don't want to say that, you know, it was lack of concentration or these kinds of things that, that dropped him in the, in the draft. Cause ultimately, I don't think it was so much that it was more off the field stuff. And generally, he, I mean, he's been a model citizen from all accounts since he's been in the NFL. So you can't really, I don't want to equate it there, but. He's had concentration lapses this year, and that's something that uh, you need to see improved uh, because uh, a lot of people are talking about uh, the next phase with the, with this Dolphins build uh, towards being a, a, a championship contender is they're saying, we need more weapons on offense. And uh, that means, you know, one, which receiver is going to be uh, taking a back seat? 
Uh, right now, I would say the guy that is probably the least reliable that you feel, look, he's got certainly a lot of talent, but you probably just don't feel like you can rely on him week to week. Uh, is Preston Williams is simply because he's not catching the ball. Yeah. He's got to fix that. He's got to address it. You got to hold on to the ball. You got to hold on to the ball. My ugly for this week is not a player or member of the coaching staff for the Miami Dolphins. It's some folks out there in the Twitterverse. And it's these people who seem to be out there with like some sort of vendetta against Tua Tungabailoa, who seem to be actively rooting for him to fail. And what I'm going to say is, if you are jumping to conclusions about Tua Tungabailoa based on one game where he was not given very much to do, you're doing it wrong. This isn't about, there's, there's, you're not, don't jump to a conclusion like this is it. This is all where he's ever going to be. And then when somebody like the brain or myself, when we say, well, maybe it's a little bit too soon to jump to conclusions. Some of, there are multiple people out there that are pulling out the car going, he's just another Ryan Tannehill. He's just, you know, we're going to sit here forever evaluating him, waiting for him to be special and, we're, he's never going to be what what we want him to be. And it's like, you got to relax. You got to relax, folks. He's He's played one game. He played one game against a very, very tough defense. And... He was, he was not, I don't want to say he was handcuffed by Chan, Chan Gailey, but he was given a very conservative game plan because they, he didn't need, he didn't have much that he needed to do. The defense had this game on lockdown. So he went out there and he did what he needed to do. And he showed absolute glimpses of what he can be. We saw him make a couple of passes into tight windows. I mean, that pass, that touchdown pass to Devontae Parker is an incredible pass. Um, he made a couple of other plays. He, he showed some spark. He showed what, he showed little glimpses of what he's going to be. But if you're jumping to conclusions already and saying that you need to bench this guy and, or, or saying, making comments like if Fitzpatrick had put up numbers like that, there would have been hell to pay. And you know what? You're right. If Ryan Fitzpatrick, a 14-year veteran, went out there and put up those kind of numbers, that would be really problematic. But for somebody who has not played football in an entire year, who is going out there against probably the best player in the National Football League in Aaron Donald and a very, very stout Rams front four or five and listen, we got the Dolphins lucked out a little bit today because Jalen Ramsey was sick and didn't really play in this game. But even if he had played, I don't know how much it would have made a difference because the Dolphins were not really looking to do a whole lot. We didn't see a whole lot of the vertical game in this one. And that's okay. And listen, I'm not here to say that Tua Tagovailoa played a perfect game or anything like that or that he was that he was brilliant. He he was he certainly wasn't brilliant, but he showed some glimpses of what he can be and what we all hope and, and gave an indication of where that ceiling is and showed that it is possible that there is going to be a lot of growth here. But to, to be out here making statements like, 
oh, it should have been Fitzpatrick and the Dolphins made a mistake. And there's national media that are making these kinds of statements, too, that are saying that, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick should be the guy and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, listen, the Dolphins put Tua in here for a number of reasons and a number of complex, difficult reasons. There's a lot involved with making him start. You know, you get reports that the Dolphins uh, started him because they've got this all these draft picks from the Texans, and it looks like that Texans pick could be a top five pick based on how things are going right now. So they want to evaluate Tua and see if they, you know, have something that they can invest in long term or if they can make moves to, to draft something else. But, you know, at the end of the day, this is a guy making his first career NFL start. And as the brain said earlier, He doesn't need to do what Justin Herbert and uh, Joe Burrow are doing out there. He doesn't need to do that. Or he didn't need to do that in this game. Might he have to do that at some point upcoming? Very possibly. And then we'll see if he's able to do that. But it's not time to jump to conclusions about Tuatunga Vailoa. And it's not going to be time to jump to conclusions about Tuatunga Vailoa for Uh, you know, until we've gotten through the next nine weeks and we can look at the body of work and say, this is what it is. As, As we've said on this show, the Dolphins are clearly placing more value in what this team does in the years to come, at least at this moment, over what they're gonna do this season. Now, does that shift if the Dolphins peel off six wins, six, seven wins in a row here? Maybe. Maybe it changes, but ultimately this team is looking, is not looking at this year as the year that they're going to win a Super Bowl. Obviously there's a possibility where that conversation changes at some point. If this team starts putting things together and performing and uh, uh, continuing to perform at a high level and improving and improving and improving. But you know, let's, let's be frank here. This is a very young team and I don't know that that's a possibility. I don't know that something that's really going to happen or that any of us should expect to happen, right? This is a, this is a very young team and it's very possible that even if they should go into, to Phoenix and, and beat Arizona next week, there's a very real possibility that in one of those handful of games that we look to as, look at as very winnable games, that they could get tripped up and fall a little bit short there. And that's okay. It's okay. Maybe Tua costs them a game. That's okay. There is nothing that you can say. There is no argument that you can make from this point forward that says, well, Fitzpatrick should be the guy that's out there. Because he's not. He's not the guy that should be out there. Tua is the guy that should be out there. When you look at the overarching perspective of what this team is trying to accomplish, you have to keep the super objective in mind and understand that sometimes the objectives in the moment are, are, you know, what we do, what in the immediate short-term future is not as important as what we do in the long-term future. And right now it's all about evaluation right? It's not about necessarily wins and losses right now. So the ugly is people trying to jump to conclusions about Tua Tagovailoa and shut him down and say, that's it. I, and I would also say, you know what else is ugly? Sitting there and making statements that this guy is in fact, absolutely the savior and absolutely as best as there's going to be, because we haven't seen evidence of that either yet. Certainly we all hope that that's going to be the case, but you know, that it's just, He's played one game, folks. Let's pump the brakes. Everybody calm down. Everybody relax. And let's see how things develop from here. Okay? 
It's not time Josh for. I'm not interested up. in takes. Don't give me your takes, okay? Give me your takes at the end of the season. Then we can talk about Tua. Okay. <laughs> you're, I'm sorry. You're always asking for their takes. You're that's, asking for their takes every week. That's true. And I do ask look, for your, Josh your is hashtag so one hot take. But I'm not he's saying, so I, I'm not asking for your take. literal steam is coming out of his ears and it's blowing out his AirPods. That's what's going on right now. That's how angry the Dolphins fan base, the Dolph fan base has uh, Josh right now. Um, I don't want to, look, I don't disagree with much of what you said. In fact, I wholeheartedly agree with much of what you said. I think anybody jumping to conclusions on Tua right now, uh, I think it's ridiculous. I think it's absolutely ridiculous. And I don't even think he played all that poorly. So I think it's just, it's really, it, it's dumb is what it is. But that said, the one thing that I am going to disagree with is this idea that it is objectively the right move to have Tua in there and that you can't criticize it because I disagree with that. I think you absolutely have a legitimate gripe uh, or a legitimate stance to criticize that. I don't personally feel like this was the best move at this time uh, to put Tua in. I, I was pretty clear. Like I didn't, I was not crazy about this move, the timing of it. I thought there were things that I liked about it. There were things that I didn't like about it, but I wasn't really ever sold that this was the right move because I agree. I agree that to a certain extent, I understand the logic and I can look, I'm not saying that they should bench to it because again, you made the move. You've got to see it through. But yeah, and that's exactly I, the point. That's exactly but, the but point. But the logic you you could argue that look at the end of the day, th- there this whole culture is built on we're trying to win every single game. And if Tua isn't the guy that gives you the best chance to win this game. Well, then that undermines the culture. Uh, and look, I'm not saying that they're, go- and I, and I said this a couple of weeks ago or a week ago. I'm not saying that Brian Flores is going to lose the locker room over this decision or anything like that. But what I'm saying is, is that you cannot just simply put Tua and his development over the entire team and the entire team's development and everything that this team is trying to accomplish this year. If, if Ryan Fitzpatrick is clearly the guy that gives you the best chance to win, we watched Patrick Mahomes sit behind Alex Smith for an entire season and watch the Kansas city chiefs get to the playoffs and get within, I guess a couple of games of the super bowl. And then uh, two years later, he was winning the Super Bowl. Like, there, there was no need to make this move right now unless Tua was truly the right, you know, the guy that gives you the best chance to win. That said, I understand the logic. And again, if you make this move, you have to see it through. You cannot half-ass this move. You can't dip one toe into the water when it comes to starting your the quarterback that you're hoping is going to be the franchise quarterback for the next decade or 15 years at that. 
You've got to dive in head first. And that's what they did. And that's what they're going to do. And if that means that they have to, you know, doggy paddle a little bit or they have to gasp for air at times and Tua does lose a game or two that they would have otherwise won if Ryan Fitzpatrick was the quarterback, well, then so be it. At the end of the day, it's it's not about what happens this year. And that's what this move shows you at this point. But where is this team going to be at the end when Tua has grown through these rookie growing pains? Uh, and again, I, I don't want to like over, overstate these growing pains because again, I don't think he played all that poorly. I think he, he had a couple of, of throws that were rough and he had a, a, a strip sack, which you could argue was his fault. And you could also argue that it was a great player making a great play. I don't want to just, uh, like say that Tua was awful in this game. It's it, what, cause I don't think that was the case. I think he was just meh. So, um, but I, but I do want to say if you are in the camp where you believe that Tua should not be starting right now and the move should not have been made. I'm not going to sit here and tell you you're wrong. What I am going to sit here and tell you is you got to live with it at this point. That's exactly right. This is a You can scream until you're blue in the face. It's not going to make any difference. Tua is the guy going forward. The end. Um, And, you know, ultimately the thing that I would say to you really is you think if Ryan Fitzpatrick was going to be the quarterback for the Dolphins all season long, you think Dolphins are going to go to the Super Bowl, win the Super Bowl with Ryan Fitzpatrick at quarterback? Is that what you think? I'm just asking a question to anybody out there do you, who really has a problem. Do you problem. think they're going to win the Super Bowl with Tua? No, I don't. But I don't think they're going to win the Super Bowl with Ryan Fitzpatrick either, which is the point, which is why it's okay well, to put Tua in there. I'm not saying that they're going to. But that said... I've seen worse quarterbacks win the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. We we have seen worse super, worse quarterbacks win the Super Bowl. At, at any rate, listen. Listen, the, at the end of the day, if Ryan Fitzpatrick is the quarterback and he sat there all day, and then, you know, listen, the way to look at it, if you, if you didn't like the idea of seeing Tua in there, is to look at it like this. If you watch Tua over the course of the 10 games this season and he never, you know, if he looks like what he looked like on Sunday, which not great, but not horrible, but he never improves from that over the course of 10 games this season. Then you go into the offseason with serious questions. You go into the, the offseason with serious questions. If Ryan Fitzpatrick is the quarterback all this season, two is your starting quarterback on week one next year, and you go into this offseason with no idea about where he is and no opportunity to address your concerns about that. So that's that's why it's important that he's in there. I don't, don't want to have this conversation anymore because the, the the moment has passed and it is what it is now. And now we're going to see Tua. And now the conversation is let's let's give an honest evaluation of him as he performs and as we as he builds a body of work. Then we're going to be able to see what can he do and how does he work on. And listen, you know, Tua is going to be sitting in that room in that film room all week watching this game. And watching the footage of that performance. And if you think that, I, I listen, I just, I have a very hard time believing that when Sunday rolls around and he runs out on the field to take on the Arizona Cardinals at 425 p.m. Eastern, that he's not going to put on a better performance. 
I have a really hard time believing that. Um, and that's, I think, where we're going to leave it this week. Because guess what? Dolphins won the game. They won the game. They're four and three. They're above 500 for the first time in the Brian Flores era. They've won three games in a row, all three of them by double digits. They're the first team since the Indianapolis Colts, I think, in like 2004 to to take an 18-point-plus lead in the halftime of three straight games. Folks, the Miami Dolphins are playing good football as a team. It's not all about Tua all the time. And they're playing good team football right now. And that is a really good thing. And, and, and listen, what we'll close by saying this, because this show is the same old Dolphin show, and we ask ourselves over and over and over again, is this, are these the same old Dolphins? And whilst things could certainly change, as of right now, these are not the same old Dolphins. Well... One thing would make these very much the same old Dolphins. If Tua does not end up being very good, then these are very much the same old Dolphins. I hope that that's not the case. I said as of now. I don't think that that... Well, as of now, he's had one very mediocre game. So I don't know how you make... Okay, but he's had more mediocre games than he's had great games. We're winning. Okay, well, Jay Fiedler won a lot of football games. It's true. True. So, look, you you talk about jumping to conclusions. I'm not, I I'm am not excited for two. I'm looking at the big picture of where this team has gone over the past few you're, years. You're, and the trajectory fall, you're that we've drinking gone on. the we've Kool-Aid. talked about it on this show. You're drinking the Kool-Aid. And I get it. A little bit it's of Kool-Aid. Exciting. I'm having a little bit of aqua and orange Kool-Aid. Not going to lie. Not going to lie. Well, if there's ever a month... To be, if there's ever a time in the season to be drinking the Kool Aid on the same old Dolphin show, it's October and November, uh, because December is when, December and January is when you find out the real answer to the question, are these the same old Dolphins? Those are the same old Dolphins months. Those, those are for sure. Well, as of right now, things are going in a, in a good direction. And I, listen, whether you were, very disappointed by Tua's performance, whether you thought it was just fine, whether you thought it was okay, whether you thought it was good, whatever you thought of it. Fact of the matter is your Miami Dolphins are four and three. They are one game or a half game out of the seventh playoff spot. If the NFL expanded the playoff, they're talking about the contingency plan now that they, uh, the competition committee is proposing a 16-team playoff, if, if games are canceled due to COVID, the Dolphins are sitting pretty right in the race for that eighth spot right now. Listen, folks. If we extended the playoffs to include 80% of the league the way the National Hockey League did it, the Miami Dolphins would be in the playoffs. You know? So... <laughs> There it is. Anyway, uh, that's where we're going to end it for this week. Thanks, as always, 
for tuning in to the same old Dolphin show. Uh, again, a reminder to download, rate, review, and subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere you can get podcasts. Make sure you're visiting DolphinsTalk.com every single day for all the latest Miami Dolphins news and information. Follow us at Amplified to Rock, at Aaron the Brain, at Same Old Dolphins, and Facebook.com slash Same Old Dolphins. We look forward to interacting with you. And listen, we're all in this together. We all want the same thing, which is the Dolphins to eventually win a Super Bowl. Um, and So let's keep cheering on the boys, huh? Because they're doing a very nice job so far. We will be back later this week to preview the upcoming game against Arizona. Until then, take care of yourselves and each other. We will talk to you again next time. Bye-bye, everybody. Go Dolphins!